I want to share a message today that I'm going to direct at dads because it's Father's Day, but really it's a message for moms, it's a message for dads, it's a message for grandfathers and grandmothers and uncles and aunts, brothers, for, for whoever. And the subject is, be the dads your kid will love. Be the dad your kids will love. Now, I was thinking about this even this morning while I was shaving. I said, you know, I wish I would have called it, be the dad your kids will love for a lifetime. Because that's the difference. And so I want to share some, some, some ways today that we can bring the best out of our children. Because that's our responsibility as dads. That's our responsibility as parents. How do we bring the best out in our children? Well, we do that by doing the five foundations of fathering. If you're a mom here today, the five foundations of mothering, the five foundations of grandfathering, grandmothering, you, you, you go on with it. So what are these things? What, how can we bring out our children? How can we be dads that our kids will love for a lifetime? First thing we got to do is we got to accept their uniqueness. Accept their uniqueness. Proverbs 22.6 is probably one of the most quoted, but probably one of the mis most misunderstood scriptures in the Bible, misclaimed verses in the Bible. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Now, this has been a verse that has been a lot of encouragement to a lot of parents, but it's also a verse that's meant a lot of pain to a lot of parents. Now, now, here's what you need to understand. A couple things about this passage. First, it's a proverb. It's not a promise. It's a proverb. What's a proverb? A proverb is a generalization about life. So when, this, when the proverb says, train up a child and wish you go, when he's old, will not depart from it, it it's a generalization. Normally, that's what's going to happen. But we all know of stories of children who were brought up in very godly homes and, and they were taught godly principles and somewhere along life, because God has given every one of us free will, they've turned to the left, they've turned to the right, they've made some kind of a U-turn and they've departed and they didn't come back. And so if you're a parent here today that's happened to you, I want you to beat yourself up because that can happen to any parent. Be a Christian parent, a non-Christian parent, because when our children grow up, they are going to chart their own life course. But generally speaking, when we train up our child in the ways of the Lord, at some point they'll come back to that. And I've seen that time and time and time again. Now, it's interesting that that proverb says, in the way he should go. Now, what does that mean? I love, since... Proverbs is an Old Testament book. For those of you who might really be new to faith, the Bible's divided into two. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek and in Aramaic, which was the spoken language, a common language of the people in the Middle East of that day. So when I'm looking at a passage from the Old Testament, I really like to see what the rabbis have to say about it. Because, I mean, it's the Jewish Bible and did a little research on this and found out that that phrase that's translated so often in the way he should go, the rabbis would translate according to his way. Train up a child according to his way. Now, that means three things. 
So if I were to read this verse, train a child according to his way, and when he's old, he'll not turn from it. So what, what does that mean? It means three things. First, it means according to his or her stage of life, where they're at. So important to understand this. Because today, we're just trying to make our children grow up too quickly. So many cases, we're, we're, we're robbing the experience of childhood from our children. You know, there's ideas out there about life, about sin, about sexuality, about all kinds of stuff that, frankly, little kids just don't need to know about yet. And I'm concerned, you know, that, that, that's why we have all these, we're dressing our little girls in early provocative ways. It, it, it's given them a bad message. It's given them a wrong message about womanhood. I'm, I'm shocked sometimes about what we allow our children to watch, what we allow them to listen to, what we expose them to at an early age. You know, they don't need to be exposed to all the crime, all the perversions, all the weirdness in this world. And you say, well, I would never expose my grandson, my grandma, I would never expose my child to that. Well, maybe not purposely, maybe not with intention, but we gotta be careful because they're always around. So it's not just sitting down and saying, hey, you know, let's look at Sex in the City together, you know. It's, hey, what are you watching? And they're observing you watch. What are you exposing them to indirectly by what you talk about, by what you watch, by what you read? See, we're, we're, we're trying to make them grow up too, too quickly. And the problem is that so much of that stuff in the world is too heavy for them. Be like me saying to my four-year-old grandson, Peter, Peter, take my 49-pound bag out to the car. We're going to take me to the airport. I mean, it's just too heavy. And there are things in life at different stages of a child's life, it's just too heavy. It's not healthy for them to be exposed to that. It's not healthy for them to be put in that kind of arena, that kind of environment. It's not cute. It can be horribly, horribly destructive. God's saying that you need to protect your child's innocence for as long as possible. They're going to be exposed to all that stuff eventually. We don't need to predispose them to those things. So it means according to his or her stage of life. Now, the converse is true also. you got to let your child grow up. So this changes. You can't keep them six years old in that cuddly, lovey time. I know you want to, but that's not in their best interest either. So what we've got to do to be a dad that will cause our kids to love us for a lifetime is we've got to treat them according to their way. It means according to his or her strengths. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 14 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, what does that passage remind us? 
It reminds us that God is active in our life, the very conception of our life, when we're still in our mom's wombs. He's at work building our character, building our personality, giving us natural talents. And so, according to his way means according to his or her strengths. Some children are very artistic, musically, or arts, or drama, or acting, or something like that. And sometimes parents go, I don't want you to be that way. I want you to be in sports. Well, maybe that's not where they're at. Some children are knitted in their mom's womb to come out and serve this world and bring value to this world through the arts. Others, maybe through sports or physical things. Others are brainiacs. They're not interested in the arts. They're not interested in sports. Man, they are brilliant. These kids scare me, by the way. But they are. And so we need to treat them. We need to train them up according to the strengths that God has created in them from when they were still being formed. We can't treat them all as athletes. We can't treat them all as artists. They're not all going to be straight A students. We need to train them up and encourage them to hone the gifts and the natural talents that we see in them as they're growing. It means understanding their style. You know, some kids are just extroverts. They're out there, man. They're, they're, they got all this energy, and they're talking to everybody, and life is an adventure. It's exciting, and they want to take it all in. And there's other kids who are quiet. They're introverted. They're very cautious. And, and you know, we, we need to respect that in them. We need to respect that, 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 that they're not the same. Some kids say, or some parents say, I treat my kids exactly the same. It's the only fair way. Well, that's true in some respects. We always want to treat our children equitably. But we can't treat them exactly the same. When I hear parents say, I treat all my kids exactly the same, I'm thinking, you might not be a very good parent then. Let me take a survey. How many of you have siblings? How many of you had different temperaments than your siblings did? Raise your hand. Different temperaments then and have. Now, now hold them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Look around. Look around. See what I'm saying? We all know this to be true. I have a brother and I have two sisters. And we are like... And we came from the same mom and dad. But we're different. We have different temperaments. Some children come out of the womb and they're just so compliant and so loving and so obedient and, 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 and just so, so malleable. And, and then other ones come out chewing on a cigar with their dukes up saying, I dare you, I dare you, you just give me my space. It, it's amazing, isn't it? But we have to train them up according to their way. That's why we can't be exactly the same with both. Now, we've got to be fair with both and just with both. And we need to be just as loving. And it's a whole lot easier to love that nice, compliant child, right, than it is that one that's 
But both, do both of them need love? Of course they both need love. So according to his way means according to his or her stage of life, means according to the strengths, the abilities, the talents that God has created them to have, and it means understanding their style, treating them and accepting their uniqueness. It also means affirming their value. Psalm 127.3 says, Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. As I'm talking to you about different temperaments and styles, I'm thinking in a couple of weeks I'm going to be going to Dallas to see my, my grandchildren, and I've got a new grandson who's due any day now. And so I'm going to go down and meet my new grandson. But I'm going to memorize this verse. Because you know where I said, you know, we have children who are very compliant and loving and gentle, and we have those who are kind of, well, mine are the second. My grandkids are the second. My, my, my daughter-in-law is a fraternal twin, and her sister Vanessa have these just beautiful, obedient, loving, sensitive children. And mine are like, i got to memorize this verse. I'm going to say, children are a reward from the Lord. Because this is going to be tough. Stella's down there already, and I, I FaceTimed her yesterday, and she was like all disheveled and stuff, and she's going, I mean, how do you affirm your kid's value? How do you do that? Well, one, by paying attention to them. And, 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 and again, this morning, I'm thinking of all this stuff. If I were to write this again, I would say by paying positive attention to them. Because we often pay a lot of attention to them, but it's not positive. And in fact, it's always negative. It's always in your face. It's always scolding them. It's always negative. It's all, and that repels them from us. See, we need to pay positive attention to them. Scripture says that they're a reward from the Lord. Is that how we interact with them? Do we interact like, you know, you're a reward. You're a treasure. You're a gift to me from the Lord. By showing them affection. And sometimes we do this when they're little and when they're cuddly and when they're toddlers and we want to just eat them all up and we do raspberries on their tummies and all this kind of stuff. But when they start getting older, we stop showing them affection. Dads, let me tell you something that's really important with your daughters. Your daughters need your affection. Because if you don't give them affection... They're going to go find it someplace else. They need that affection. They, they need those hugs. My daughter is, is older now. She's an adult. I won't give her age because I don't want to ruin my father's day. <laughs> but you know what? I, I still, every time I see her, I give her a big hug and I kiss on her face. See, they need our affection. And our, our sons do too. When I see my son, I mean, you know, you know Peter. Peter's like 6'3", and he's, he's, he's a big guy. And I'll go down, and I'll see him. The first thing I'll do is I'll wrap my arms around him, and I'll hug him, and I'll tell him how proud I am of him, how much I love him. See, they, they always need that. They never stop needing that from their dads, from their moms. By building them up. By building up their, who they are and their self-esteem and their confidence. I love this. Great people make other people feel great. We, we, we ought to write that one down. Great people 
Make other people feel great. You want to be really popular. You, you want to be someone, someone everyone wants to be around. You make them feel great and they'll want to be around you. They'll want your presence all the time. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Now, creating discouraged children aren't going to be building children that want to be around us for a lifetime. Ephesians 4.29 says for all of us, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Now, that's challenging sometimes, especially with those kids who got their dukes up with us. But we're called to be parents. We are given the privilege to be parents by God. And so we have to be the adults. We have to be the mature ones. We have to be ones to build them up. So we got to accept their uniqueness. We need to affirm their value. Number three, we need to trust them with responsibility. Trust them with responsibility. Nothing brings out our best any faster than have someone believe in us. It's still true for, for uh, we as adults. Our boss says, listen, I've got a really important project. And I, I, I can't trust this just with anybody because this is too important. I need you to take care of this. I need you on this project. You're the one who needs to, to guru this thing. Now, sometimes they, they use that as a manipulation. I get it. And we understand that and we sense that when that's happening because of the relationship in general. But oftentimes it's not. And when that happens, it's encouraging. I know when it's happened to me, when I've had people say, listen, you're the guy, I really need you. I need you. Not, not, not I need you. You know what I do? I leave going, I'm going to give it to you too. I'm going to give it my best. I'm going to make this thing happen. I'm going to show you what I'm... And see, kids are the same way. Even young children, when, when we give them responsibility, when we, we tell them that they're important and, and, and this is something that, that they can do and we'll be proud of, it encourages them. A recent parent survey, question was asked, what would you, different, you do differently if you had it all to do over again? One of the most consistent and one of the top answers given to this survey, to this question by parents, was this. If I could go back, I would do less for my kids and teach them to do more for themselves. I'm seeing heads going. See, you would answer that question the same way. Where parents say, you know, looking back at it, if I could start over again with my kids, I'd do less for my kids. I teach them to do more for themselves. See, as parents, we want to protect, protect our kids from making mistakes. And why? Because we want to protect them from the, the negative feelings of failure. And, and it doesn't feel good to fail. It doesn't. And sometimes, as parents, and our hearts are in the right place. They, they really are, because we love our kids. And, we want to protect them from life, and, and we, we don't want them having to deal with, with these things all the time. 
And there's a, a proper way to do that. But we can't protect them from every failure in life. See, allowing our children to fail is an important part of parenting because it's a really important part of life. Jason Dorsey, who was one of the most prolific millennial authors, and he's a consultant, and he's a well-known speaker and sought-out speaker, he said this, our parents, speaking of the parents of millennials, really took from us the opportunity to fall down on our faces and then lift ourselves up. What he's describing here is helicopter parents. Helicopter parents are always over them, always right over top, watching everything that happens. Boy, something happens at school, and a parent's there. I was a teacher. I started out as a teacher many, many years ago. And I remember, you know, if a child was really unruly and really uh, not obeying, I'd have a parent-teacher conference. And back in that day, that was bad news for the kid. I remember in my day, it was bad news for me. Today, how dare you talk about my child like that? You don't understand my child. You don't understand my child's sensitive. You don't understand. That's all the teacher's fault. You know? Jason said, our experience growing up has been that all too often, our parents didn't let us fail. They didn't let us fall down. And what he's saying is so that we could learn how to lift ourselves back up. See, one of the most important skills in life is learning to be what? Responsible. How many have to be work on time? How many have to get your projects done on time? How many, how many have to turn in good projects? See, responsibility is a part of life. And as adults, are we held responsible? Constantly. Pretty much for everything. And if we don't allow our children to learn how to be responsible, they're in trouble. Stay with me on this. Overprotecting kids is actually a form of rejection. We're saying, you're not competent enough to handle this. I got I, I to do you, you can't do this. I, I, I got to do it for you. See, when we're overprotective, when we're trying, constantly trying to, 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 to rescue our kids, when we're trying to, to run interference for them in every area of their lives, basically what we're saying is you can't handle it. I got to do it because you're not smart enough. You're not tough enough. You're not competent enough. That's basically what we're saying. The only way to allow them to fail is to trust them with responsibilities. And we want to do it when they're kids because the consequences are far less severe. And get that paper written in time and they get a zero on F. Don't write that paper for them. 
Let them get the zero, let them get the F. They, they disobey at school, don't go running in and rescue them and fighting the principal and fighting the teacher. Let them pay the consequence. Because, let's take sports for example. When do you want to make all the mistakes? You want to make them in preseason, right? Because when you really get to game time, you got to have your game on. And so we need to allow our children to make their mistakes, allow them to feel the pain of failure. Feel the pain of doing it wrong. Understand the consequences of irresponsibility as a child, as a teenager. So by the time they come with adults and it's game time, they're, they're ready to go. It's not an important life lesson. This is a critically important eternal lesson. I remind you, Luke 16, just last week, verse 10. Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. In other words, part of our eternal evaluation by God is going to be our responsibility, level of responsibility. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For though a righteous man falls seven times, read it with me, he rises again. See, that's how we want to train our children. We want to train our children, the people, to be young men and young women and adults later on. That although they fall, and they will because we do, we equip them to deal with failure. We equip them, equip them to get back up on their feet and stay in the game. That's why we'll be a dad whose children love us for life because we have equipped them for life. Got to accept their uniqueness. Got to affirm their value. We've got to trust them with responsibility early on. Give them things to do and then hold them accountable. And that we need to correct without condemning. Correct without condemning. Proverbs 19, 18 says this, discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. You know, in this modern, postmodern, crazy culture that we live in today, there's actually books written on, just let your child express herself, express himself. Don't, don't, don't stifle their creativity. See, that's crazy. Because we're not being responsible as parents. Scripture tells us that when we don't correct, when we don't discipline, we are actually being a willing party to their destruction, to their death. Proverbs 13, 24 says, He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to what? Discipline him. So the first part of that, that equation, correct without condemning, is to correct. Got to be in the game. Can't delegate that out. Can't just let it go. Can't just think it's going to happen. Oh, someday they'll grow up and they'll get it. No, they won't. But how do we do it without condemning? Well, first, we never do it in anger. We never correct in anger. 
We never correct impulsively. Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers do not exasperate your children. We exasperate our children when we just impulsively correct them. Correcting in anger always, say it with me, always creates resentment in return. They're no different than you. Your boss does this. Your spouse does this. You go, you're right. No, you go, bring it on, partner. Right? Well, kids are little adults in their attitudes, in their temperament. And, and if we correct in a condemning way, if we're impulsive, if we're sticking our, they're, gonna, they're not going to go, yes, mommy, yes, daddy. Yes, Grandma. Yes, Grandpa. I was so wrong in what I did. They're going to put their dukes up and say, watch your words. Watch the words that you use in your discipline. Harmful words create, read it with me, harmful memories. Now, I'm not even going to ask hands to be raised. But right now, just reading that phrase, harmful words create harmful memories. Right now, there's memories coming up in a lot of your minds. Spontaneously. Boom. Harmful words. That's still, even today, whether you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years old, are still hurtful today. So we've got to watch our words. We've got to correct without condemning. I, I love to use the analogy when I talk about disciplining children of a sports referee. Whatever sport it is, they all have officials, they all have referees, umpires, whatever you want to call them. Now, what these referees are trained to do is not to be impulsive and not to be condescending. They're in the middle of a contentious situation. And when our children are misbehaving, is that a contentious situation? It sure is. But the officials, like in this picture, then go over to number 13 and say, you just shut your mouth. I don't want to hear from you. You just stop it right now. Doesn't go over to number six and say, you're a cheater. They don't do that, right? I go over and say, yellow card. Penalty flag, penalty, traveling. They don't ever call that in basketball anymore, but that's another story. <laughs> See, it's not emotional. It's not condescending. As a matter of fact. That's why I encourage parents, and dads, I encourage you to lead in this, is to set up your rules and regulations and attach consequences to them for a first offense, second offense, third offense. You know your child is going to misbehave. Now, you got it, again, at their age, their stage of life. Can't treat them like a 30-year-old when they're six. But you can say, okay, whenever you lie, 
This is what's going to happen the first time I catch you in a lie. This is what's going to happen the second time I catch you in a lie. This is going to happen the third time I catch you in a lie. Whenever you hit your brother, whenever you hit your sister, well, this is what's going to happen the first time you hit him. This is going to happen the second time. This is going to happen the third time. Okay, so you are playing the role of the referee. And when that happens, and will it happen? Yes, it'll happen. Will it happen repeatedly? Yes, it will happen repeatedly. You don't go, now this is what I told you about that. Now, now you're just a bad kid. Now you're brown. You say, okay, now remember, we talked about this. Mommy and daddy talked to you. We, we talked to you about it. said, if you hit your brother, what was going to happen? Well, if you hit my, I'm going to have a timeout for five minutes. Say, okay. So there's the timeout chair. Go sit for your timeout. See, and that's how we correct without condemning. It's not emotional. It's not condescending. It is respectful. But you've got to follow through with it. Say, oh, I know Dad said that, but I'm not going to. Okay, I'll let you off the hook this time. No, that's not teaching responsibility. Correct them without condemning. Finally, love them. How? Unconditionally. Unconditionally. Offer them forgiveness. Yeah, they're going to mess up it. Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Our Father, God, has been patient with us. And he's been forgiving. If he wasn't, none of us would be alive to sit here and enjoy this service today. See, he's our model in this. God who has every right to be wrathful. God who has every right to, to, to bring a lot, of, a, a lot of pain to our lives because of our, our behavior. Chooses not to do it. He chooses to be forgiving. Write this down. A great dad doesn't rub it in. He rubs it out. I love that. A great dad doesn't rub it in. Rubs it out. Doesn't use what happened in the past in the future as a corrective tool. Other than the fact that you've set up, okay, first offense, this is the penalty. Second offense, this is the penalty. Third offense, this is the penalty. Remember we talked about, as a teenager, you ought to write this all down and have them sign the contract. And then just bring the contract out and say, all right, now where's the contract? Where's this offense in the contract? You broke curfew. All right, first time, what's the penalty? Look it up. What's, read it to me. What's it say? And you can even get them to help form the contract. Because you'd be amazed, often they'll be harder on themselves than you would have been. But see, a great dad doesn't rub it in, he rubs it out. Offer them forgiveness. Say, hey, listen, I do not appreciate your behavior. I was very disappointed by your behavior. But I love you. I love you. Never give up on them. That's a challenge for some parents because they really have challenging kids. That's a tough one. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. It never gives up. Isaiah 54.10, God says this to us, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, 
Yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace removed, says the Lord. Read the last part with me. Who has compassion on you. Wow. See? Never give up on them. God never gives up on us. I don't understand it. Maybe you feel like I do sometimes, and I think God should have given up on me a long time ago. But he hasn't. And we are entrusted by God as parents to be his representative, his model to our children. Tell them this. I am never, 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 ever going to stop loving you. I remember doing this with my kids. I remember particularly doing it with my son Peter when he was growing up. I'm, I'm, I, I, I can remember it, pictures are in my mind right now of me sitting down with little Peter and saying, Peter, I want you to know this. I'm not always going to approve of your behavior. And when you disobey, you've got to pay. And that, that's what we used to say in our family. When you disobey, you've got to pay. And you may go to jail someday. I hope not, Peter. But you might do something that's serious enough that you might go to jail. But I want you to know this. I'll still love you. I'll never, ever stop loving you. I'll come and visit you in jail. I won't rescue you, but I'll love you through it, and I'll visit you. I'll never, 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 never stop loving you. Want to be the dad your kids will love for a lifetime? Accept their uniqueness. Affirm their value. Trust them with responsibility. Correct without condemning. And love them unconditionally. Let me tell you, the secret to becoming a great parent is to become a godly parent. None of those characteristics come natural to human beings. We cannot parent alone. I depended, Stella and I depended through our entire time of raising our children, as we are now with our grandchildren, on God. More than anything else, we want them to know that God loves them. Being a great parent starts with being a godly parent. Proverbs 14, 26 says, He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. Be the dad that your kids will love for a lifetime. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we thank you for the joy of parenting. We thank you for the privilege of being models, whether we're parents or not, to children. Because whether we're parents or not, we, we, we can do these same things that we've talked about for parents. Because children need the things that we've talked about today coming from as many sources as possible.
Lord, help us not to feel guilty today about anything. Because that's not the, the purpose of the message today. The purpose of the message today is to instruct, is to teach. Say, okay, here, here's some tools that you can use. And even if we've passed our day of parenting, we can take these things that we've learned today and we can go back to our child and say, you know, let me tell you some things I learned in church this Sunday. And just say, you know, I wish I would have known these things when you were little because I would have been a much better parent. And God, we can use these things to try to rebuild our relationship if it's broken. So Lord, speak to every one of us through the Holy Spirit in the way that you would speak. Lead us in the direction that we need to go. Help us to be bold enough to make the course corrections that we need to make. Lord, help us to be that kind of parent. Kind of parent who our kids will love for a lifetime because we've invested in them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.